So the two things that have been occupying most of my brain space recently are the text from John that we're dealing with today and the thing that we just talked about, uh, about our church moving to, to two services. Both of those are important things. One of them is speaking God's truth and the other one is what happens when God's truth is spoken. What happens when God's truth is spoken is God's people come to hear and people come to God. That's the whole point of our being here. We're not, we're not another church because we thought New London Spicer area needed another church. God called us to something specific. God called us to something that's been very clear to us from the first day. And we knew that uh, if our goal was to become a megachurch, we would fail quickly. If our goal was to be a faithful church, God might honor that. Do you know that in America today, less than 20% of congregations are growing? Do you know that four churches and fellowships a day close? Do you know that the average size for a church in this land of megachurches, the average size for a church is 75? Do you know that when we launched and opened our doors almost eight years ago, every statistic that we could find said we had a 97% chance of failing in five years? God's doing something. And as I look at this text from John and as I look at that announcement, they come together and here's how. Peter had the chance to do the right thing and he chose to do the easy thing. Some of the decisions that we're in front of are going to cause bumps in the road for all of us. We could do what we think is the easy thing or we can do what's the right thing. And the right thing is to continue to do what God has called us to from the beginning and that is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people who will gather to listen. Am I right? That's not going to be easy on almost any of us. It's not going to be easy on our Sunday cool teachers. It's not going to be easy on our our worship team. It isn't easy on our elders, I can tell you that. It isn't easy if you've got kids that are going to kids' stuff on Sunday morning. There's bumps along the way for all of us. But if we can get through the bumps of the next few weeks, it's going to put us in a place to be a much more effective place for us to proclaim the gospel to people next fall. So when I ask for just a little bit of patience on your part, I really do mean just a little bit of patience. We need to get through a few weeks to see how this feels and to understand how to do it the very best way that we can. What looks good on paper doesn't always work out well in reality. And so we've got a little bit of April and some of May to find out how that stuff that maybe makes sense on paper actually works in real life. We don't want to do what we see Peter doing today, and we don't want to do the easy thing. The easy thing would be for us just to be comfortable where we are and to keep doing things the way we're doing. That would be easy. And what we would find is that today is probably our last day with this many people in church ever. And what would happen is we would just become another complacent church. Not that every church is complacent, but a lot of them are. And that's not what we want to do. So I want to look at this text today from John. If you've got your Bibles, it's John 18. We're going back to... Focusing on Peter today. What we want to make sure that we do is that we see where we are in this story because we don't as individuals and we as a church don't want to do what Peter chose to do. So to pick up where we left off, we're in the last hours of Jesus' life, literally. Uh, He has shared what we call the Last Supper with His disciples. From that, we take the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. We're going to be talking about that after the service today with our young people and uh, their parents and any of you as adults that want to come and talk about what Holy Communion is and why we practice it and why we celebrate that. Please stick around right here after the service. We're going to talk about it. 
After that meal, they went to the garden. We talked about passing through the Kidron Valley and what that really meant to Jesus. Judas had betrayed him. One of Jesus' own disciples cut off the ear of one of the guards. And now Jesus is going through this series of trials where the outcome's already been determined. What's been determined is that a man's going to lose his life in the next 24 hours. And it's going to be Jesus. The Jews were tired of him. They were tired of his message. They were tired of the way that he was challenging their position. They had religious authority. Their religious authority was wrong and didn't help the people at all. And it wasn't what God was asking of them. Jesus was trying to make things right. And they challenged him so they thought they would just end his life and put an end to this challenger. Jesus also told Peter that before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Three times, Peter. You're going to say that you don't know me three times before tomorrow morning when the rooster crows. You're going to say that you are not one of my disciples. Peter knew what was ahead, just like we know what's ahead. Peter knew what the outcome is going to be, but it would appear that Peter did nothing to change it. And we're going to look today about how important the crowd that we are part of, how important the place that we put ourselves is in our being able to stand for Jesus. He's already denied Jesus to this servant girl. Last uh, time we looked at this two weeks ago, we'd seen where he chose to stand outside around a fire and keep himself warm with the enemies of God rather than to walk away and stand for his Savior. It's odd, actually, because there's no reason for Peter to even be in this scene. The rest of the disciples are somewhere else. Peter's presence alone is statement and truth to him being one of Jesus' followers. So when these guys ask the questions that are coming up, the answer is very obvious. But Peter gets scared, and he comes up with a different answer than what is the truth. And so 18, starting in the 25th verse. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are also, or you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, and he said, I am not. We talked about how Jesus said, I am claiming to be God. And Peter says, I am not. Claiming to be completely disconnected from God. One word. That's how subtle it is for us, folks. It doesn't take much to separate ourselves out of God's will for us. So here's the second of Peter's three denials. But he's standing with a crowd of people around a fire. But when we look at it, we notice that it's the wrong crowd. It's not the disciples that he spent the last three years with. It's not people who have been a part of the healings of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the folks who are trying to understand, like we are this morning, how is it that God is working in our world? Peter instead is with the wrong crowd. He'd rather stay with the wrong people for the wrong reasons rather than to leave and go back to the other disciples. It reminds me of that time back in Genesis. Lot and Abram are working their way through the the wilderness, and they get to a point where they're going to split and they're going to divide the land. And Abram says, well, Lot, where do you want to go? And it's a, a decision that sets the course for the rest of Lot's life. Lot chooses the land next to a city called Sodom. Abram chooses the land in a valley a little ways away. Lot chose to be as close to sin as he could. He knew the reputation. He knew what the city was. He knew what they stood for. And they knew, he knew who the people were. But he intentionally chose to live near the wrong crowd. And the rest of Lot's life plays out what happened because of that decision. 
It makes me wonder then with myself, and I hope it does for you, how often do we spend our time with the wrong crowd? How often do we spend the wrong people or spend time with the wrong people who we know are going to influence us the wrong way? How often do we invest with people who only take from us? Because for some reason we think, maybe I'm going to be a little bit more popular then. Maybe life will be a little bit more fun. We, we see it in our country all the time and part of the message that the media gives us, you want to be with the majority because if you're with the majority, you must be right. Being with the majority does not make you right. You can be a crowd of one and be the only one that stands on the truth. Lot chose the people of the city of Sodom and it forever changed who Lot was. Peter chose the crowd by the fire that night and that decision changed Peter. So where does that work for you and I? When we choose based on popularity or what we think is going to get us accepted or maybe to avoid conflict or to maintain a tradition or we're not going to go to be a part of a church because I'm not sure what people would say about me or I'm not going to talk about Jesus at work because I might get fired or all the other reasons that we think that we're going to be accepted by a world full of people when really all that it does is requires us to turn our back on God and to deny our faith, it changes us every single time. It takes only that one little three-letter word, not. Well, are you a Christian? Now, I go to church once in a while, but I don't really believe all of it. Do you go to the open door? Are you kidding? I won't go to that place. Do you pray? Nah, I don't think it does any good. You ever thought about the people asking those questions or maybe looking to you for hope? You ever thought about when they ask you those questions and make you feel like you're being backed into a corner and going to be made fool of? What they're hoping is that you say yes so that they can say why and you can give them a reason to do something they've never done but they've always wanted to do. But we use that word not. No, I'm not. Or no, I don't. Or no, I never would. And we're changed. And Satan takes a little piece of us because he chips a little bit of that godly heart in us away. Verse 26, one of the servants, somebody without a name, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? This guy's an eyewitness to Peter being in the garden. He's a family member. He's going to get a picture of the face of the guy that just lopped off the ear. An eyewitness. And he tells Peter who Peter is. Peter says, no, not me. He's known by the whole world to be a follower of the King of Kings. And what Peter is more concerned about is saving himself. He's got the nerve to take off a guy's ear in front of this unit of the Roman army, but he doesn't have the nerve to say, yes, it was me. In fact, Peter is so concerned about fitting in with these people that Luke in his Gospel records an additional detail that John leaves out. Luke 22 and 55 says this, And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Peter became one of them. He sat down in the middle of the guys. He was welcomed into the crowd. If they had been a beer-drinking bunch, they would have handed him a beer. He was no outsider just standing close enough to the fire to catch some heat. No, he sat down among them as one of them. He was accepted as one of them. Why? Because his plan worked. Aren't you him? He says, nope, not me. Derek. That's how much they actually cared. They didn't care about Peter. 
And Peter told them he didn't care about Jesus. It's exactly like when you and I choose to become like the rest of the world and we deny that we're Christians. When we laugh at jokes that we know we shouldn't. When we make fun of people or when we're grown-up bullies. We deny Jesus every time that we jump in with the guys or the girls and we start using language we wouldn't use. We start swearing as a way to fit into a group with the excuse, Ah, you know what? It's only when I'm with them or it's only when I drink. I don't mean it. Not. I'm not a follower of Jesus. Ah, don't expect anything of me. I'm not really a Christian. We've got those excuses. It's only when. We deny Jesus when we don't say no. When we don't, we don't say no to too much alcohol or to drugs or to the wrong crowd or to the wrong movie or to the certain websites. When we don't say no to those things, we're saying no to Jesus. This example from the life of Peter is so profound because while it is so simple, it is every single one of us. We've all done it. We all do it. The way that we get away from it, though, is we say, well, I was just, or I didn't mean anything, or it was just that one time. It's not a big deal. I wonder if our lives were recorded in the Bible. I wonder how we would be viewed. Are we the Christian that made the one wrong mistake or are we the Christian that has a habit of making those choices? Peter even does his best to play the part of the victim. Matthew 26, another Gospel, verse 74, he professes his non-association with Jesus. He says, Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. He decides, No, I'm actually going to make myself the victim. I'm going to go, Woe is me. How come you're giving me such a hassle? I would never do that. Woe to me if I would ever follow someone like that. It's not curses and swearing. It's using strong language to emphasize his innocence. And yet Peter knows that his Savior, Jesus, who's about to give up his life, is on the other side of the wall standing on a trial that he cannot win. He's standing a trial for a man who's already decided that he's going to take his life. Everything is staged against him. Peter is very well aware that he is standing amidst these dangerous accusers. And yet, all Peter wants to do is to deny Jesus in the hopes of saving himself. Verse 27, Peter again denied him, and at once the rooster crowed. We talked earlier about how Jesus is fully in control of everything. That God is the God of details. God is in the details. That you and I are more than just a detail. Jesus says that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. The moment, instantly, at once. When Peter denied Jesus the third time, the rooster crowed. Jesus is even, is even in charge of those details. And the moment that rooster crowed, Peter snapped back to the reality of Jesus' words. Before morning, you will deny me three times, Peter. And Peter is now standing neck deep in his sin. Peter was a coward, and all Jesus asked for was a disciple. Peter did all this for the fear of losing his life at the hands of a Roman soldier. But see, here's the problem with that. Matthew 16 says this, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
In trying to save his own life, Peter lost a part of himself. Peter gave up what Jesus had invested in him. Peter gave up to people who didn't care about him one bit because he said, no, I'm not. Do you remember about a year ago, there was a bus in Africa carrying 29 people, adults and children. They were on a pil- Christians on a pilgrimage. The bus was stopped and the, the men from the well-known organization that is so politically incorrect to name by name in America today stopped them and one by one they brought them to the door and they asked them if you were a Christian. One by one, 29 people were killed. 29 people shot for their faith. For not renouncing Jesus. I read one of the guys who was the leader of that group of Christians and he said, we take pride to die while holding on to our faith. Oh God, that you are that real to me. 29 people, number 2 through 29, knew what was going to happen to them. Number 1 had a pretty good idea. Slaughtered adults and slaughtered children just because they refused to deny Jesus. Peter followed the crowd when he should have been fleeing the crowd. He blended in with the non-believing world rather than standing for God and standing out among them. Now, this next part I, I, I throw out there at great personal concern and risk for some of you. I know. I was standing in line at the grocery store last week. You know, they got all the magazines, right? Well, you can't help but look at them. You can only buy so many tins of Altoids, right? Who is staring at me? From the, I mean, literally, I, I, I literally looked over to another line, and there she was again. I can't get away from this woman. But like six weeks ago, I said, I'm not going to talk about her anymore. There she is. So then I've got to go, well, I want to use this example, but I'm not going to pay $5 for that. So I found a free picture of the cover of her magazine online. There it is. But you know what she says? It makes so much sense and is so important. What would you stand up for? She gets it right. What would you stand up for? Oh, we got all kinds of kids standing up for their cause right now. Same times, I'm wondering if they're not almost ignoring a lot more important causes. What are you going to stand up for? You're going to stand up for the easy stuff or the hard stuff? Are you going to stand up for the stuff that's going to make you popular? Or are you going to stand up for the stuff that's going to make God proud of you? Are you going to stand up for the stuff that's going to make you more money? Are you going to stand up for the stuff that is going to have people maybe change their opinion of you? What will you stand for? What will you put your name behind? What will you take a risk for? I saw this and I didn't pick up the magazine. I didn't buy it. I didn't read it because I wanted that. What would you stand up for? That was it. And to surprise you, because you thought I'd never say anything good about her. What would you stand up for? Peter wouldn't stand up for Jesus. In fact, it was worse than that. Peter wouldn't stand up to who he really was. Peter denied who he was, what he believed, and who he believed in. What would you stand up for? What would it take? Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Peter knew that verse. Peter would have grown up hearing it. 
Yet Peter got every one of those things wrong. He walked into a crowd of wicked people. He stood among sinners and he sat among scoffers and Jesus haters. Peter did exactly what he knew he should not have done. Peter wasn't living as a man who was blessed because of his choice of actions and associates. And yet Peter was as close as a man could have been to Jesus. But he denied it. While on the other side of the wall, Jesus was being condemned to death. So what about you and I? We've got to be careful we don't fall into that same trap that Peter did because it's easy. It's a quick and easy slide away from this comfortable family of faith and into the fire of the in crowd. It's easy to be a Christian here because there's a lot of us. It's not easy to be a Christian in the world. Is it increasingly difficult? The reason that I know it's increasingly difficult is because of how many churches are closing every week in America. It's easier just to stand for nothing. It's easier just to go through life. It's easier to believe something that is convenient and that doesn't cost you anything than it is to believe in something and someone who can change everything. For a lot of people, even in our area, being a Christian, going to church, going to this church, is not the cool thing to do. You've heard me say over and over and over that we need to do everything that we can to welcome as many people as we can because 60% of the people in this area do not go to church. You think we live in one of the most well-churched Christian parts of the world? You're wrong. Our numbers are much higher than most of the rest of the country. 60% of your friends and neighbors and co-workers and family are not Christian and do not know that they're going to heaven. That's a responsibility that we have. So what happens when those non-church-going folks confront you with your choices? How do you respond? What do you stand for? I've never been in anything as close to a situation like those folks in Africa were. I've never been on a bus watching my friends and family being shot. I've never been confronted with a life or death decision of whether or not I'm going to claim to be a Christian. I really hope that if that day ever came, and it may well, I really hope that I will proudly say Jesus is my Savior. Yeah, you you can do what you want to me because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going to spend my eternity. I've never been in a situation, anything like that. But you know what? I know the price and the cost of standing up for your faith. I've never been shot at, but I've had a lot of other things that have been directed my way. I love this area. I choose to live here. I grew up here. I love the people. I love the culture. I love the countryside. I love that our idea of a traffic jam is having to wait behind a tractor or a combine. But our friends and neighbors can be incredibly cruel and hurtful people when it comes to their opinions and the things that they think that they need to say about me and about our church. You don't have to be around very long, and you know that that's true. Apparently, for some folks, we're a threat. I sure hope that that's not true for other Christians because all that we're doing is trying to fight the same fight that they are. I, I know that uh, at times I can be a little bit dorky and I can look the fool, whether I try to or not, but I know that my choice 
is to answer that call. My choice is to answer that call, and even when it isn't comfortable, because it's not, to stand in front of you and bravely proclaim the one who I do believe in, to bravely proclaim the truth of the Bible that I love so much, the truth of God's Word and His love for you and me. And I will speak that truth, even when it makes me unpopular, even when there are people in this area who would love to shame me into silence. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm strong. But because God is good. I realize, and it took me a while to get to this point, but God didn't call me to defend Him. And God didn't call me to shelter myself. And God didn't call you to defend Him or shelter yourself either. God's called me and this church and the people who call this place home to preach God's word of life to this area and to the whole world. So what will I stand for? I'll stand for the same thing that I hope that you stand for. I will stand for the truth of my Savior and His love for all of us. It's not popular in our world. It's very threatening. Because what it means is that there is a right and a wrong. God does have expectations. God has standards, and they're not popular in our world today. Do I like hearing the things that people say about me? No, I don't. It hurts. But it's nothing compared to denying Jesus like Peter did and having to live with that. So as for me and as for you, the heart of this church, we're not going to back down to the opinions of the world around us. And who are we going to be as a church? Two services isn't going to be an easy move, but you know what we're going to do through it? We're going to passionately pursue Jesus. You know what we're going to do over the summer as we're making those adjustments and trying to prepare for fall? We're going to passionately pursue Jesus. What are we going to do when people ask us what we believe? We're going to tell them the truth because we're passionately pursuing Jesus, no matter what people might say. So what about you? What are you going to stand for? You all get to make the choice. You all get to decide for yourselves. Nobody's going to force you into anything. But those opportunities happen regularly for us. And if you don't believe me, just put on a little bit of a different hat when you're out there in the world and look for opportunities to tell people what you believe and who you believe in. They're all over the place. It's as simple as saying no. It's as simple as saying stop. It's as simple as saying, I won't. So what are you going to stand for? Let's pray. God, thank You that we get the example of the life of Peter. Maybe we don't have to make those same mistakes that he did. God, thank You that You recorded that in Your Word. Thank You that even though Peter denied Jesus three times, we're going to see not very far down the road, Jesus continues to love him and actually restores him and brings him to a place of even greater ministry. God, what I would ask is that Your Holy Spirit would be in each one of us in such a way that You would be so big, that You would be so real, the truth of what Jesus did on the cross because of the reality of the sin that is in us. 
would be so real that we could not deny You. That we could not deny Jesus and what He did for us. And that when we were pushed or forced, that we would stand for You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Some people say they don't want to be a Christian because a God is a God of too high a standards. Nobody can ever live up to that. Ten Commandments, who can keep them, right? So I'm just going to ignore it and not even bother. You know what? Here's the other thing I know. God is a God of high standards because He's God. He's also a God of second chances. Adam, am I right? Fortress is all about giving men a place where they can see God having a second chance. Adam's ministry is proclaiming God's second chances. Just because you deny Jesus once doesn't mean you're going to spend the rest of your life regretting that. The one thing I know about God is He's going to give you another chance to proclaim Him. So like me, you may have said talking about Jesus was inconvenient at some point. Be careful. I'm not sure I handled this correctly. When I apologized and confessed that, God put me on a career of professional ministry. Not that that's where you're headed. But God will give you a second chance. God will give you a chance to say yes when you said no. To say I am when you said I'm not. To say I will when you may have said I won't. God has high standards because He's God, but He is a God of second chances. And we are here today as forgiven people who can proclaim that. What will you stand for?